We're going to go back in time to the days of Micah in the Old Testament. And I don't want you to turn to it now um, because we're going to hear it. We're going to spend the next few weeks before we get to Christmas looking at the book of Micah. And uh, one thing I thought is that the way that churches used to engage with the scriptures back in the day, most people couldn't read. So you sat there and you heard the scriptures read out to you. And I thought, who would be brilliant to read or act or speak out the whole of the book of Micah to get hold of us? And I thought of John and Fiona over there, but actually uh, I chose Rachel and Luke. And uh, I don't have you committed this to memory? No. no. Oh, taking the easy way out. But Rachel and Luke are going to read dramatically or whatever, the New Living Translation of the book of Micah to us. So we're going to engage with the whole book. And then I've got a few things to say in closing after that. And this is the introduction. And then we're going to move on over the next few weeks. So let's welcome Rachel and Luke and get ready to hear the book of Micah. The Lord gave this message to Micah of Moresheth during the years when Jotham, Ahaz and Hezekiah were kings of Judah. The visions he saw concerned both Samaria and Jerusalem. Attention! Let all the people of the world listen. Let the earth and everything in it hear. The Sovereign Lord is making accusations against you. The Lord speaks from his holy temple. Look, the Lord is coming. He leaves his throne in heaven and tramples the heights of the earth. The mountains melt beneath his feet and flow into the valleys like wax in a fire like water pouring down a hill. And why is this happening? Because of the rebellion of Israel. Yes, the sins of the whole nation. Who is to blame for Israel's rebellion? Samaria, its capital city. Where is the center of idolatry in Judah? In Jerusalem, its capital. So I, the Lord, will make the city of Samaria a heap of ruins. Her streets will be plowed up for planting vineyards. I will roll the stones of her walls into the valley below, exposing her foundations. All her carved images will be smashed. All her sacred treasures will be burned. These things were bought with the money earned by her prostitution, and they will now be carried away to pay prostitutes elsewhere. Therefore, I will mourn and lament. I will walk around barefoot and naked. I will howl like a jackal and moan like an owl. For my people's wound is too deep to heal. It has reached into Judah, even to the gates of Jerusalem. Don't tell our enemies in Gath, don't weep at all. You people in Beth Lephra, roll in the dust to show your despair. You people in Shafir, go as captives into exile, naked and ashamed. The people of Zainan dare not come outside their walls. The people of Beth Ezel mourn, for their house has no support. The people of Moroth anxiously wait for relief, but only bitterness awaits them as the Lord's judgment reaches even to the gates of Jerusalem. Harness your chariot horses and flee, you people of Lashish. You were the first city in Judah to follow Israel in her rebellion, and you led Jerusalem into sin. Send farewell gifts to Moresheth Gath. There is no hope of saving it. The town of Aksib has deceived the kings of Israel. O people of Marishah, 
I will bring a conqueror to capture your town, and the leaders of Israel will go down to Absalom. O people of Judah, shave your heads in sorrow, for the children you love will be snatched away. Make yourselves as bold as a vulture, for your little ones will be exiled to distant lands. What sorrow awaits you who lie awake at night thinking out evil plans? You rise at dawn and hurry to carry them out, simply because you have the power to do so. When you want a piece of land, you find a way to seize it. When you want someone's house, you take it by fraud and violence. You cheat a man of his property, stealing his inheritance. But this is what the Lord says. I will reward your evil with evil. You won't be able to pull your neck out of the noose. You will no longer walk around proudly, but it will be a terrible time. In that day, your enemies will make fun of you by singing this song of despair about you. We are finished, completely ruined. God has confiscated our land, taking it from us. He has given our fields to those who betrayed us. Others will set your boundaries then, and the Lord's people will have no say in how the land is divided. Don't say such things, the people respond. Don't prophesy like that. Such disasters will never come our way. Should you talk that way, O family of Israel? Will the Lord's Spirit have patience with such behaviour? If you would do what is right, you would find my words comforting. Yet to this very hour, my people rise against me like an enemy. You steal the shirts right off the backs of those who trusted you, making them as ragged as men returning from battle. You have evicted women from their pleasant homes and forever stripped their children of all that God would give them. Up! Be gone, this is no longer your land and home, for you have filled it with sin and ruined it completely. Suppose a prophet full of lies would say to you, I'll preach to you the joys of wine and alcohol. That's just the kind of prophet you would like. Someday, O Israel, I will gather you. I will gather the remnant who are left. I will bring you together again like sheep in a pen, like a flock in its pasture. Yes, your land will again be filled with noisy crowds. Your leader will break out and lead you out of exile, out through the gates of the enemy cities, back to your own land. Your king will lead you. The Lord himself will guide you. I said, listen, you leaders of Israel. You are supposed to know right from wrong. But you are the very ones who hate good and love evil. You skin my people alive and tear the flesh from their bones. Yes, you eat my people's flesh, strip off their skin and break their bones. You chop them up like meat for the cooking pot. Then you beg the Lord for help in times of trouble. Do you really expect him to answer? After all the evil you have done, he won't even look at you. This is what the Lord says. You false prophets are leading my people astray. You promise peace for those who give you food, but you declare war on those who refuse to feed you. Now the night will close around you, cutting off all your visions. Darkness will cover you, putting an end to your predictions. The sun will set for you, prophets, and your day will come to an end. Then you seers will be put to shame, and you fortune tellers will be disgraced. And you will cover your faces because there is no answer from God. But as for me, I am filled with power, with the spirit of the Lord. I am filled with justice and strength to boldly declare Israel's sin and rebellion. Listen to me, you leaders of Israel. You hate justice and twist all that is right. 
You are building Jerusalem on a foundation of murder and corruption. You rulers make decisions based on bribes. You priests teach God's laws only for a price. You prophets won't prophesy unless you're paid. Yet all of you claim to depend on the Lord. No harm can come to us, you say, for the Lord is here among us. Because of you, Mount Zion will be ploughed like an open field. Jerusalem will be reduced to ruins. A thicket will grow on the heights where the temple now stands. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all, the most important place on earth. It will be raised above the other hills, and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. People from many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. There he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion, his word will go out from Jerusalem. The Lord will mediate between peoples, and will settle disputes between strong nations far away, They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation, nor train for war anymore. Everyone will live in peace and prosperity, enjoying their own grapevines and fig trees, for there will be nothing to fear. The Lord of heaven's armies has made this promise. Though the nations around us follow their idols, we will follow the Lord our God forever and ever. In that coming day, says the Lord, I will gather together those who are lame, those who have been exiles and those whom I have filled with grief. Those who are weak will survive as a remnant. Those who are exiles will become a strong nation. Then I, the Lord, will rule from Jerusalem as their king forever. As for you, Jerusalem, the city of God's people, your royal might and power will come back to you again. The kingship will be restored to my precious Jerusalem. But why are you now screaming in terror? Have you no king to lead you? Have your wise people all died? Pain has gripped you like a woman in childbirth. Writhe and groan like a woman in labour, you people of Jerusalem. For now you must leave this city to live in the open country. You will soon be sent in exile to distant Babylon. But there the Lord will rescue you. He will redeem you from the grip of your enemies. Now many nations have gathered against you. Let her be desecrated, they say. Let us see the destruction of Jerusalem. But they do not know the Lord's thoughts or understand his plan. These nations don't know that he is gathering them together to be beaten and trampled like sheaves of grain on a threshing floor. Rise up and crush the nations, O Jerusalem, says the Lord. For I will give you iron horns and bronze hooves so you can trample many nations to pieces. You will present their stolen riches to the Lord, their wealth to the Lord of all the earth. Mobilise. Marshal your troops. The enemy is laying siege to Jerusalem. They will strike Israel's leader in the face with a rod. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrath, you are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. The people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until the woman in labour gives birth. Then at last his fellow countrymen will return from exile to their own land. And he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Then his people will live there undisturbed, for he will be highly honoured around the world. And he will be the source of peace. 
When the Assyrians invade our land and break through our defences, we will appoint seven rulers to watch over us, eight princes to lead us. They will rule Assyria with drawn swords and enter the gates of the land of Nimrod. He will rescue us from the Assyrians when they pour over the borders to invade our land. Then the remnant left in Israel will take their place among the nations. They will be like dew sent by the Lord or like rain falling on the grass, which no one can hold back and no one can restrain. The remnant left in Israel will take their place among the nations. They will be like a lion among the animals of the forest, like a strong young lion among flocks of sheep and goats, pouncing and tearing as they go, with no rescuer in sight. The people of Israel will stand up to their foes, and all their enemies will be wiped out. In that day, says the Lord, I will slaughter your horses and destroy your chariots. I will tear down your walls and demolish your defences. I will put an end to all witchcraft, and there will be no more fortune tellers. I will destroy all your idols and sacred pillars, so you will never again worship the work of your own hands. I will abolish your idol shrines with their Asherah poles and destroy your pagan cities. I will pour out my vengeance on all the nations that refuse to obey me. Listen to what the Lord is saying. Stand up and state your case against me. Let the mountains and hills be called to witness to your complaints. And now, O mountains, listen to the Lord's complaint. He has a case against his people. He will bring charges against Israel. O my people, what have I done to you? What have I done to make you tired of me? Answer me, for I brought you out of Egypt and redeemed you from slavery. I sent Moses, Aaron and Miriam to help you. Don't you remember, my people, how King Balak of Moab tried to have you cursed? And how Balaam, son of Beor, blessed you instead? And how, remember your journey from Acacia Grove to Gilgal, when I, the Lord, did everything I could to teach you about my faithfulness? What can we bring to the Lord? Should we bring him burnt offerings? Should we bow down before God Most High with offerings of yearling calves? Should we offer him thousands of rams and ten thousand rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you. To do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Fear the Lord if you are wise. His voice calls to everyone in Jerusalem. The armies of destruction are coming. The Lord is sending them. What shall I say about the homes of the wicked filled with treasures gained by cheating? What about the disgusting practice of measuring out grain with dishonest measures? How can I tolerate your merchants who use dishonest scales and weights? The rich among you have become wealthy through extortion and violence. Your citizens are so used to lying that their tongues can no longer tell the truth. Therefore I will wound you. I will bring you to ruin for all your sins. You will eat, but never have enough. Your hunger pangs and emptiness will remain, and though you try to save your money, it will come to nothing in the end. You will save a little, but I will give it to those who conquer you. You will plant crops, but not harvest them. You will press your olives, but not get enough oil to anoint yourselves. You will trample the grapes, but get no juice to make your wine. You keep only the laws of evil King Omri. You follow only the example of wicked King Ahab. Therefore, I will make an example of you, bringing you to complete ruin. You will be treated with contempt, mocked by all who see you. 
How miserable I am. I feel like the fruit picker after the harvest, who can find nothing to eat. Not a single cluster of grapes or a single early fig can be found to satisfy my hunger. The godly people have all disappeared. Not one honest person is left on the earth. They're all murderers, setting traps even for their own brothers. Both their hands are equally skilled at doing evil. Officials and judges alike demand bribes. The people with influence get what they want, and together they scheme to twist justice. Even the best of them is like a briar. The most honest is as dangerous as a hedge of thorns. But your judgment day is coming swiftly now. Your time of punishment is here, a time of confusion. Don't trust anyone, not your best friend or even your wife. For the son despises his father, the daughter defies her mother, the daughter-in-law defies her mother-in-law. Your enemies are right in your own household. As for me, I look to the Lord for help. I wait confidently for God to save me, and my God will certainly hear me. Do not gloat over me, my enemies, for though I fall, I will rise again. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. I will be patient as the Lord punishes me, for I have sinned against him. But after that, he will take up my case and give me justice for all I have suffered from my enemies. The Lord will bring me into the light and I will see his righteousness. Then my enemies will see that the Lord is on my side. They will be ashamed that they taunted me, saying, So where is the Lord, that God of yours? With my own eyes, I will see their downfall. They will be trampled like mud in the streets. In that day, Israel, your cities will be rebuilt and your borders will be extended. People from many lands will come and honour you, from Assyria all the way to the towns of Egypt, from Egypt all the way to the Euphrates River, and from distant seas and mountains. <coughs> but the land will become empty and desolate because of the wickedness of those who live there. O oh Lord, protect your people with your shepherd's staff. Lead your flock, your special possession. Though they live alone in a thicket on the heights of Mount Carmel, let them graze in the fertile pastures of Bashan and Gilead as they did long ago. Yes, says the Lord, I will do mighty miracles for you, like those I did when I rescued you from slavery in Egypt. All the nations of the world will stand amazed at what the Lord will do for you. They will be embarrassed at their feeble power. They will cover their mouths in silent awe, deaf to everything around them. Like snakes crawling from their holes, they will come out to meet the Lord our God. They will fear him greatly, trembling in terror at his presence. Where is another God like you who pardons the guilt of the remnant, overlooking the sins of his special people? You will not stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing unfailing love. Once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. You will show us your faithfulness and unfailing love as you promised to our ancestors, Abraham and Jacob, long ago. This is God's word.
Thank you very much, Rachel and Luke. Isn't it great to hear God's word, to get the, the sweep of that book? And I believe there's probably parts of it that were particularly speaking to you today. So we're not going to do the, the whole book. I've just got a few minutes to go through chapter one with you. But I'm sure there were things in there that resonated God's judgment, God's forgiveness, God's mercy, the pain of the present, the hope of the future. It's all there in that book. So Micah chapter 1, if you have uh, got it on your phones or in your Bibles, do open it up. Just a quick introduction. Micah is from a place called Morasheth, and that was a village in the Shephala region in the countryside of Judah, probably about 20 miles southwest of Jerusalem. So he's a country lad from a village, but God's going to call him to come with a powerful message to the nations of Israel and Judah. And uh, it says that he uh, was around during the reigns of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Three kings are named there. And uh, I'm sure you don't know this off the top of your head, but that means we're talking in the 1740s to the 680s BC. That's the kind of time frame. Quite a long period of time he was around and prophesying during that period. And it says at the very beginning, the Lord gave this message to, or many versions you'll have, the word of the Lord came. And that's probably a phrase that you, don't, you recognize, you probably heard that, the word of the Lord came to, is quite a common phrase. 242 times in the Old Testament and 225 of those, it's a, a technical term for a prophecy coming from God, the word of the Lord came to him. And prophets were people that spent time with God, that absorbed God's words. What's God saying? They pray, they connect with God, they agonize over what they're thinking and hearing. And is this word for me personally or is it for others? Is it for the whole nation? They absorbed the word of the Lord and at the right time and in the right way they announced that word to someone else or to a city or to a people or to a nation. And that flow of prophecy is really, really significant. Some people uh, mature into the office of a prophet and they're saying significant messages to churches or nations or cities. They mature in that ministry. But all of us, the New Testament says, all of us can prophesy. We can all get something from God. We can be fed by that, and we can all get something from God to give to someone else, either individually or to the church or on the bigger scene to the nation. And it's a wonderful thing. It can be a frightening thing, but it's a wonderful thing. So in the franticness, in the busyness of life, in the distractions, in all that's going on, don't forget, and I need not to forget, that we can hear from God, we can spend time with God, we can absorb what he's saying and at the right time, in the right way, we can pass that on to someone else to bless them or to challenge them or to inspire them to come closer to God. So do give that time, do spend some time listening to God, getting close to him and absorbing what he's saying because it's so important in our day and in our age. And it says also in verse 1 that he, he saw visions. 
And I think a lot of people get God's word through what they hear, but a lot of people also get God's word through what they see. And whether it's a mental picture in the mind or a physical vision, uh, in Micah's case, he saw stuff. God was showing him stuff. You can hear from God. You might hear uh, a thought. You might hear maybe not an audible voice, but like a voice in your head. Or you might see something and be illuminated by something. Take the opportunity to hear from God. That's what Micah did. The second slide, he was prophesying uh, to Israel and Jerusalem and to Judah. And first of all, there was the United Kingdom. And that was 1050 to 931 BC. You had kings like Saul and David and Solomon. And then the kingdom divided under Rehoboam. And he uh, was king after Solomon, but he only was able to keep Judah. Jeroboam broke away and the other nations formed Israel. And you've got the two capitals there as well, Samaria and Jerusalem. And they're mentioned here. Northern kingdom was called Israel with a capital Samaria and the southern kingdom called Judah with the capital Jerusalem. And prophets were sent by God to speak to both parts of the nation. And people like Amos and Hosea, have you heard of them? They spoke God's message to the north. And people like Isaiah and Micah today spoke to the south. We've got some northern prophets probably in here as well. So the north and south, God's heart was for both of them. And God spoke to both of them. And he warned them, not just to condemn them, but to inspire them to turn to him and change their evil ways. And there's real notes of hope that come through in Micah. But there's the sad reality that judgment was going to fall. God couldn't just turn a blind eye to the sins of the nation. And the northern kingdom, it was Assyria that came and took them into exile. And the southern kingdom, years later, Babylon came and took most of them into exile. So Micah's giving the people a chance, but they don't turn to God. They ignore him, and judgment comes. And God gives all of us a chance to respond to him, to find the purpose he's called us for, to use our lives for the kingdom of God. But we can turn away, we can reject, we can say no. And there will be consequences. But even in those nations that rejected him and didn't reform, there's still a message of hope for the future where the remnant will return. And God sees their sin. God sees their sin. He sees the murder, the injustice, the fraud, and the bribery, and he warns them to change. But then they're judged. So is God like, like the, the gods that people worshipped as kind of capricious vindictive character that likes zapping people and judgment did come but God is a God of love and patience and he endured their disobedience for 500 years so God doesn't just zap people when he's in a bad mood God endured their disobedience for 500 years he spoke to them he sent prophets to them he wanted them to turn to him but in the end, he enforces his righteous judgment. And there's, as painful, that's difficult, but there's something good about that, that he can't just turn a blind eye to sin and injustice and pain. He does judge it. There is an end to those things, and that's right. 
2 Peter 3 verse 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So we see God is a God who will judge, but he's a God of patience that wants all to come to him. So there's patience. There is a judgment eventually, but then there's recovery, and God is patient with his people again. Let's bear that in mind. Next slide, and we haven't got much time left here. Listen up. That's verse 2. It says this, Hear, O peoples, all of you. Listen, O earth, and all that it contains. And it begins with that very strong statement. Hear, listen, pay attention. And where God is speaking, we do need to wake up. I don't want our society, I don't want our church to sleepwalk into horrendous stuff and to turn our backs on God when God is speaking and saying, listen up, wake up, pay attention. And we can't afford to be slack in hearing God and loose with his word. We need to listen. God also says listen in a very positive way in the Old Testament. You've probably heard the Shema, Deuteronomy 6 verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. So God speaks the goodness. Listen up, there's one Lord who's full of love and he speaks the warning. Listen up, things are bad here and judgment is going to fall. And we want to be those people that do listen to God and do take on board what he's saying. Micah was a country boy. And he walked into the capital and he brought God's word. And bringing God's word can be a dangerous occupation. If you put the next slide up, please. Anyone know who that man is? We see a hand at the back. That's Oscar Romero. And uh, the Roman Catholic Church made him a saint this week. Uh, Protestant Church obviously doesn't believe in making people saints, canonizing them. It believes that we're a kingdom of priests and we're all saints. We're all made holy, not by our own goodness, but because of what Jesus has done for us. But the Catholic Church have recognized this man and uh, he was someone that stood up for righteousness and truth. He became the Archbishop of San Salvador. And uh, so he spoke up in that nation of El Salvador. He spoke out against poverty, social injustice, and the government assassinations and torture. But in 1980, he was assassinated. He was uh, officiating a mass in a hospital chapel, and the government sent people along to shoot him dead. He died. So speaking up for God can be a dangerous calling, but it's really important to do that and not just to remain silent. And this is one of his quotes. There's lots of quotes you can read online. If you put the next slide up, please. One of the things he said, a church that doesn't provoke any crises, a gospel that doesn't unsettle, a word of God that doesn't get under anyone's skin, a word of God that doesn't touch the real sin of the society in which it's being proclaimed. What gospel is that? He spoke that out. He stood up for that and he paid with his life. But... We believe that God, he's with God, and God is got a part for him in the new heavens and the new earth and the age to come. 
Verse 2, we haven't got very far, have we, in chapter 1. Verse 2, it's a bit like a courtroom scene. It says that uh, God is the judge and the prosecutor. So God is going to judge the nation. God is going to judge us all. We all are judged for what we've done in life. God was the judge of the nation. But he's also the prosecutor. He's making a case against the people for where they've gone wrong. And when we read through Michael, we heard it today. When we work through it, there's a lot of accusations. If you put up the next slide, there's rebellion against God. There's the worship of false idols. Uh, he talks about prostitution, and that's particularly in the, the context of temple prostitution. Uh, people would come and wor- worship false idols and have sex with the temple prostitutes. And so their whole worship was twisted. And the prostitutes weren't the worst sinners. They were probably held as sex slaves for this purpose. And sex slavery is around today, isn't it? Sometimes things don't change. There was abuse of power. Poor people had a little bit of property or land, and powerful people worked out a way of robbing them of their inheritance, robbing them of their property. There was a breaking down of trust. I think that speaks still, doesn't it? There was corruption. Uh, when I was handing out alpha leaflets recently, there was a chap from Nigeria. Uh, we were chatting. He was waiting for someone to come off the train. Uh, and he's a forensic accountant. And he was looking at all the corruption in Nigeria and saying how the church, parts of the church have been involved in that corruption, laundering that money. And where have they put the money? A lot of that money has been laundered through London. And so our capital is complicit in this. So all that's going on. But still, talking to him, I said, there is someone that I trust. There are friends I've got in Nigeria who are doing good stuff. There are people that aren't involved in the corruption. There are people that are looking to Jesus. He's the one that we can look to and we can trust. He talks about the robbing, the women and children, murder, bribery, war, hating justice, and twisting the truth. And so often that happens, doesn't it? Just the the Saudi... That guy that's been killed. So, you know, he did leave. Okay? Yeah. And um, he, but no, actually, he died. Uh, he took on 15 thugs and he tried to beat them up, and sadly, he died. The lies and the rubbish that's poured out, things don't change. And these are things that God was bothered about in Micah's day. What are the things that God's bothered about in our day? What's God saying and what are we going to do about it? My time's gone, so I'll leave it to Sam next week to tell you all the things that God's bothered about and what he's going to do about it. But I was thinking, if I were a mini Micah, what would I say? What judgments would I make? Would I stay completely silent because I don't want to offend anyone? What are the things on God's heart? Maybe it's something that's pressing my buttons. Maybe I'll get annoyed about that or speak up about that but what about the things that are pressing God's buttons maybe I'm not so bothered about am I willing to see what those are am I willing to speak out if I was a mini Micah what would I say but just the last slide to close if you click on it's a few slides on please Jess not that one no I think you've gone past it actually that one, the gospel. I think there is a message, and one of the things I just want to say in closing 
is I don't know if I'm too shy or wanting to interf- uh, not wanting to offend anyone to be a kind of prophet of doom and to challenge people. But I wouldn't want to, if I did have the courage to do that at times, I wouldn't want to do that in just a, a fleshly way. And I don't think God's message is just like a soothsayer or someone condemning people. I think there is judgment. I think there are things that God's bothered about. I think there is injustice in the world. And God wants to change those things. The kingdom of God is about love and peace and justice. And we need to speak out those things. But we speak it out out of a heart of love for God. And we speak out the gospel of Jesus Christ. You do need to change. You do need to listen up. You do need to wake up. Don't sleepwalk in life. But the message is one of love and forgiveness and redemption The messages of a suffering saviour who served us, who came and was born and took flesh and brought the grace and truth and love and justice of God into the world. So if we are going to speak up, if we are going to shout about some of the evils in our society, if we are going to follow God in that, we're doing it also with a real note of hope and love, and forgiveness, and restoration, because Jesus has paid the price on the cross. And our message isn't just one of woe. Our message is one of the gospel, of the grace of our Lord Jesus. A little introduction. I think it was great to hear God's word. Thank you again, Rachel and Luke. And a little snapshot of chapter one of Micah. It's a great book. And you'll have noticed as you read through that some of the readings we read at Christmas season were there in Micah, and we're going to bring those out over the next few weeks.